0: Hi, everybody. My name is Steve Bartlett, and welcome to Fight Back. Hopefully, you all had a great Thanksgiving last week. Um, The day after Thanksgiving is, um, what's it? the big Friday after Thanksgiving. Black Friday, that's what it's called. And then they had Cyber Monday on uh, Monday. So now what is Wednesday after Thanksgiving called? It's called Bartlett Wednesday where you get to spend time talking to me and uh, listen to me rant about whatever I want to rant about this week. So what we're going to be talking about tonight is um, the one thing that America should be ashamed that we're number one in the world in. And that is the amount of people that we have currently in prison. We lock up more people in the United States, United States than any other country in the world. Yes, we're number one. We're number one. Okay, and that's really embarrassing. You know, when you think of people who lock up their citizens, you think of third world countries. You think of banana republics. You think of, Totalitarian governments like like China or Saudi Arabia or Iran, but you don't think of the United States. And yet we are number one in locking up our people. The country that's supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave is actually a country which locks up its citizens. Now we do have violent people, we do have criminals, and some of them do deserve to go to jail. But we should not be number one in the world in the amount of people that we incarcerate. Right now the United States only has 5% of the world's population, and yet one out of every four people. who are good at math, that's 25%, are currently, uh, of the world's prisoners, are in the United States. One out of every four of the people in the world who's in prison is in the United States. One out of every three women in the world who is currently in prison, is also in the United States. And that's really an embarrassment, okay? And this isn't something that's been a historical trend. Although the crime rate in our country has gone down over the years, the amount of people that we lock up has been going up, okay? Since 1980, the amount of people that have become incarcerated in the United States has risen by 800%, 800%. That's eight times what it used to be in 1980. It's more than doubled since 1994. 1994 is when I became an attorney. And the amount of people in prison has doubled? Crime hasn't doubled? Then why is the amount of people going to prison doubled? Okay? Well, let's look at it economically. Because we spend, get this, over that same period, the amount of money that we spend locking people up has gone up 1,700%. We're spending big bucks in locking people up, and there's all these private prisons out there, and they make a profit by locking people up, so there's a lot of money to be made, which is one of the incentives why we incarcerate so many people, okay? It's too expensive. It has this devastating impact on our society because if you lock up, you know, a million people, they're not able to work, they're not able to pay taxes, Um, and then when they get out of prisons they don't have skills so if they don't have skills what do they do they go out and they commit new crimes again and when they don't have skills uh, they don't have the ability to earn a living unless they go back to a life of crime. So you know what they do the, the week before they get out of prison? A social worker goes and visits the, uh, the people in prison. You conservatives would like this. And uh, they sign them up for Medicaid. They sign them up for food stamps and other types of services that they can get from the government because they can't be self-supporting after we just gave them f- uh, free room and board for the last 10 years or whatever they were in prison for. So besides supporting them, while they're in prison, they also are a drain on the taxpayers once they get out of prison, as we have to continue to support them through different type of benefits. And if we don't support them, they're going to go back to a life of crime. Okay, this is absolutely crazy. All the money that we spend on locking people up and putting them in prison, if they were out of prison, they could be working, paying taxes, contributing to the GDP. And all that money that we save could then be spent for things like education, which liberals like me would like, or if you like Um, defense, we can spend it on defense, or we can cut your taxes, however you want to handle it. But more money saved would actually happen if we actually did prison reform, okay? The prisons are so overstocked. You know, a field of dreams where they say, build it and he will come? Well, that's exactly what we did. We have all these prisons. They're always constructing new prisons, and yet we're operating at 131% of capacity. You know, we're overbooked. There's not enough room. OK, so they're, they're sleeping on top of each other right here in county jail up here in Pasco County. Um, they're, they're overbooked. They don't have enough room for the prisoners. They actually have to pay to um, house them at other locations. OK, and it also has a devastating impact on the communities. OK, African-American families, Latino families have been devastated by um, the harsh prison laws that we actually have in our society. Um, So many young people in the African-American community grow up without a father, grow up without a role model, teaching them how to become an adult because they're incarcerated for some sort of nonviolent drug crime. And because of that, these people are going to find... refuge in in gangs, they're gonna turn to other people, they're gonna turn to the streets because they don't have a role model there because these societies have been damaged and destroyed due to prison. And then once you go to prison, when you get out, it's gonna be really hard to get a job because people aren't gonna wanna hire you, regardless of how smart you are or how much you've been reformed. Once you make that decision and you've gone away, you know no one's going to want to give you a second chance. So how are you going to be able to support yourself? How are you going to be able to earn your living? How are you going to be able to pay the bills, take care of your family? You send someone to prison, Who, you know, who's going to take care of that family? Let's say a woman is married and has three kids and her husband is the, the breadwinner, paying all the bills. He goes to prison, she goes on welfare. The kids go on Medicaid. The, foods, the kids go on food stamps. So even though it might sound like a good idea to be harsh on crime, and to throw away people who, who commit bad acts the question isn't whether you're being tough on crime but whether you're being smart on crime fortunately there's hope on the horizon there's bipartisan support for changing the way things are and we'll talk about those things when we come back after break Hi, welcome back to Fight Back. My name is Steve Barlett, and we're talking about the need for prison reform and sentencing reform in, in our country. Uh, what we have going on is A major problem. There's too many people who are locked up and incarcerated. And nearly half of all people who are currently in federal prison are serving sentences for nonviolent drug crimes. These are people who aren't dangerous, who aren't committing crimes, and yet half the people in federal prison are sitting there. They're just sitting there rotting away. And when you go to prison, not only does it not rehabilitate you it actually makes you worse because you're hanging out with other prisoners and and the way they're treated they're treated to violence they're treated like like children they are told everything they have to do there's no rehabilitation and the anxiety and fear when they come out they're emotionally and psychologically damaged people so they are less likely to readjust to entering society because they're worse off than when they actually went into prison Okay? A big problem, what's causing all these drug people going to prison? Well, we have a major drug problem in our country. And the way we've been fighting this drug problem has been absolutely stupid and counterproductive. We need to stop treating the drug problem as a criminal problem to be handled by the police and by judges and by attorneys in a courtroom. But we need to treat it as a health care problem problem, a mental health care problem, and start treating these people as sick individuals who need help and should be treated with compassion, as opposed to criminals, and who we just treat them like dogs, and we th- well, we treat them worse than dogs, and we just keep them in cages, and then after a period of time, after they lost the ability to deal like regular human beings, we just throw them back into the wild again. We need to change that. What? Like I said, hope is on the horizon because currently um, there are some bipartisan support in Congress to try to start changing things, okay? Now, Now, the causes of these problems about why there's incarceration is pretty obvious. There's a problem with mandatory minimum sentences, which means that once Congress passes a law, judges do not have discretion to go below a certain amount of years if there's a 25 year minimum mandatory even if regardless of the facts regardless of the circumstances a judge must give 25 years in prison for certain crimes okay it's called a minimum mandatory by tying judges fingers together legislatures have complete control, which I believe is unconstitutional because of the um, separation of powers. But that's exactly what Congress wants to do: is they want to actually impose sentences. So even though they don't know the, the nitty gritty of a sp- specific case, these draconian mandatory minimum sentencing uh, laws is one of the major reasons why our prisons are so overpacked. Um, and this is politically motivated because running tough on crime, uh, being saying that you're hard on crime, is actually makes good political sense because people tend to vote for that instead of saying what's smart on crime what actually makes the crime rate go down what actually makes us safer what is actually makes more economical sense people run on let's be tough on crime, Bill Clinton, the Democrats, I'm not just blaming the Republicans, the Democrats did it too. Most of the federal laws actually were made draconian when Bill Clinton was president back in the 1990s. So I'm not blaming the Republicans for this. Both sides, Democrats and Republicans, it's always been historically easy to say I'm tough on crime and to create draconian laws because it sells well with the public. When you're perceived as being too light on crime, even if it's a smart thing to do, It has a political backlash. But like I said, fortunately, there's bipartisan support because right now, in 2017, uh, well, last year, 2017, there was actually a bill proposed, the Sentencing Reform and Corrections Act of 2017, which had support from both liberals and conservatives. It was bipartisan. Uh, Lindsey Graham, Chuck Grassley, and Mike Lee. Yes, I'm saying something good about Mike Lee of Utah. Okay. They joined with um, with all the Democrats, basically, who were for this to try to come up with major sentencing reform. Okay. Now, this would only affect people who are in federal prison. And there's only about 250,000 people in federal prison right now. 90% of people who are in prison are in state facilities, okay? So this is only talking about 10% of the people, which is the people who are in federal prison. But but this bipartisan support would actually overhaul the entire federal system that's been failing, okay? Unfortunately, however, um, there hasn't been enough support in the Republican Party to overcome the filibuster and there's no chance of the Sentencing Reform and Corrections Act of 2017 becoming law in 2018. There's just not enough support because there's still that mentality of, let's be tough on crime, even if it's not smart on crime. However, okay, don't give up hope. We're making baby steps. We're we're going in the right direction and that's because there is a law that's actually pending right now that has a chance of passing the Senate before the session ends during this lame duck section. There is a push to try to get this legislation passed, and it's currently a bipartisan support. It's called the First Step Act, and this was actually pushed by Jared, the son-in-law of Donald Trump, is actually a big supporter of this thing called the First Step act now this isn't what is being sold to the public okay as this is major reform in sentencing and it's going to overhaul the whole system and make it less draconian but it is a step in the right direction that's why it's called the first step back this isn't going to solve all the problems but at least finally after years of draconian measure and tougher and tougher sentencing laws which is just locking up You know, such a major part of our country, Congress is finally actually going to start moving in the right direction, which is, again, a first step. It's not as major as they pretend it is or they claim it is, but it's still a step in the right direction. So anybody who's for this, I give them kudos, okay? Um, The major thing that this law actually does is it changes the law primarily for those who've already been sentenced, allowing them to earn the ability to get out of jail quicker. Now, not just getting out of jail like, okay, go home, have a nice day, your sentence is over. Actually, it's allowing them to get credits for good behavior and whatnot so they can get out and go into like a vocational or rehabilitative program, a halfway house, something other than home confinement with an electric monitor on their ankle, something so they're not being a burden to the taxpayer and they can actually start entering society again. Okay. That's the point of first step to those people who've already been under sentence to allow them to get out quicker under supervision, under strict conditions, but so they can be integrated in a better way into society. Okay. Um, Now. Like I said, they're going to be steering these people while they're in jail into these vocational and rehab programs. And if they are participating in these rehab programs as opposed to just sitting there in prison playing cards or watching television or doing what else they do in prison, they can earn their way by actually trying to rehabilitate themselves by entering these different types of uh, rehabilitative programs so that they can get these earned time credits, that's what they're calling it, that allows them to be released early to these halfway houses or to home confinement, okay? What they're doing is they're going to be also creating under this statute uh, something called er- an earned time credit system, which will allow people who are currently you know, incarcerated to get 10 days of credit for every 30 days that They do these programs, so if you do 30 days of the program, you get 10 days off of your sentence, and that could actually, uh, and then instead of just getting released, they're then released into a halfway house, home detention, or some sort of community supervision, but they earn this right. It's something, it's an incentive for the prisoners to do something with their time while they're sitting in jail, as opposed to just sleeping or reading a book or working out of the gym, Okay. It also does other things that are important. That is actually more humane because one of the things that is bad about our prison system, which destroys the psyche of our prisoners, um, is that they're like I said, they're treated like less than, than dirt, and that just screws the people emotionally. So they're doing certain things that are humane to give some sort of dignity to these people. For instance, this law would ban the shackling of pregnant women. currently under the law, they could shackle a woman who's pregnant and keep her in chains and, and, and everything while they're in prison. That's insane. This is going to say we're not going to do that. We're going to treat people who are pregnant in a more humane way. Another thing that this law will do is it will say that prisoners cannot be sentenced more than 500 miles from their families. Currently, families who want to maintain a relationship with a father or a son or a loved one, they can be placed anywhere in the country, and it's so expensive for the families who pay thousands of dollars just to transport their kids to go see their father in prison. This law would make it easier for people to be able to see people um, if they're incarcerated. So when we come back after this break, we'll talk about some more about this act and why I think it's a good idea. Hi, welcome back to Fight Back. My name is Steve Barlett, and we're talking about the first step um, bill that's currently being considered by Congress. What, another thing that this um, proposed statute does is it will reduce the minimum mandatory sentence from 20 years for a nonviolent drug dealer from 20 years to 15 years, which is still very, very harsh, but at least it's some sort of break, so we're not going to be keeping them institutionalized for an extra five years. It, it uh, reduces the disparity between um, people who are convicted under Powder cocaine and crack cocaine, which makes a much more of a severe sentence for African-Americans who normally use crack as opposed to white people who are involved with powder. It's trying to eliminate that discrepancy as well. It also will um, stop judges from doing something which is very draconian called stacking. It's too complicated to get into that today under the show, but that's going to be eliminated as well and judges will also be able to depart from the sentencing guidelines by using something called the safety valve under certain circumstances. Okay. Now, like I said, this should be very positive because there's a lot of bipartisan support. Mike Lee, ultra-conservative, is actually for this. And believe it or not, right now, somebody saying he's going to sign this bill is Donald Trump. And if Donald Trump signs this, even though he's going to claim it's the greatest bill ever, greatest law ever made, and, and it completely fix the system, which it doesn't do, I still got to give him props. I got to say that, Mr. President, you actually did a, a good job with this thing. Please sign it. I'll be proud of you if you do it. I give you my appreciation if you sign this law. It's not perfect, it's not even great, but at least it's a step, the first step in the right direction. Okay, but unfortunately, there's still a lot of pushback all the Democrats are for this, from a lot of conservatives who are still stuck in the idea of being tough on crime in Congress. One of the people who is actually against this is Marco Rubio, our senator here in Florida. So one thing you guys can do is fight back, is you can contact your state senator and say, Mr. Rubio, I want you to vote for this bill. Support Donald Trump and vote yes to pass this bill. It's time to start treating people with more respect, who are actually in prison so they don't become institutionalized zombies and they can actually be part of society again. Now, the person leading the argument, though, isn't Rubio, because Rubio isn't a leader, in my opinion. It's a guy named Cotton, Tom Cotton. Okay, He's an ultra-conservative, and he's been bashing this law. Okay, And he's bashing it for certain different reasons. First of all, he's claiming that the activity that allows people to get this uh, time off of their sentences they can get out, he's saying that it's defined too broadly and that offenders can just get time by playing ping pong or playing softball and that that's enough for them to get early release. That's totally not true. Why? Because the activities that allow people to be released early is not defined by The prisoners but by the wardens the wardens get to decide what kind of activities prisoners can do that gets them that special game time so they can get out earlier so don't let cotton fool you by saying that it's just going to give people the ability to get out for doing nothing but just sitting on their asses in prison that's not the cases the wardens will decide what activities are considered to be the proper behavior that will allow people to have their sentences reduced okay cotton also claims that oh Dangerous criminals can get early release and it's going to make society a lot more dangerous. That's not true as well. Okay, that's also a lie. Because this bill specifically excludes certain types of people who are convicted of certain types of crimes for being eligible for this program. Okay, only people who are deemed to be minimal or low risk for recidivism and are non are eligible for this early release program. So when Cotton says, oh, you're going to be more dangerous, you're going to be releasing these dangerous prisoners into your society, that's a lie. That's not true. Don't let them fool you with that. He's also claiming that drug dealers are going to have their sentences cut in half. That's not true as well. Like I said, those people who have a 20-year minimum mandatory, it's going to go down to 15 minimum mandatory. That's not cutting the sentence by half. And it's still a very lengthy prison sentence. What it does is it relieves the burdens on taxpayers. Okay? So don't believe that as well. Okay? The other thing that Cotton says that isn't true is he says that this judges will just be able to do the safety valve and just ignore the guidelines and do whatever they want. That's not true as well. What this law requires is that those who used a weapon when committing a crime or did anything dangerous while committing a crime, they're not eligible for this safety valve departure from the judges. The only reason the judge will be allowed to give the safety valve is if it's not violence, there's no weapon that was involved, you can't use a weapon, and you also must be willing to cooperate with law enforcement. So if you're a drug dealer and you cooperate with law enforcement and your underlying offense wasn't violent and there was no weapon involved, only under those circumstances can you qualify for that safety valve departure. So tell your senator, call Marco Rubio and say, vote yes. Okay, it's time to make a change and please sign this bill Don't pull the football like Lucy, Mr. President. Okay, I'll see you next week on Fight Back. Have a good weekend.